0: with sammy rye special edition episode here what is the metaverse what are nfts plain and simple no hype just what it means to you what it doesn't mean to you do you want to participate do you not want to participate what i hope to bring to the conversation is just my simple take on things trying to relate them to other things and talking about this whole metaverse nft craze and making it real plain and simple to everybody um because that's what I think a lot of people are looking at this and they're getting really hype and excited or they're ignoring it. And that's the most funniest thing, because when if you're 30, if you're 45, you know, if you're if you're anywhere above, I would say maybe 25 to 30. This might be the thing that's the end of your life um, in that sense where, you know, you think that you're going to be cool and young forever. Right. You think there's not going to be that thing that's going to age you out. And how the internet probably aged out some of our parents. Maybe our parents don't really interact if they're possibly, you know, 50 plus right now. Um, Maybe they don't really interact with the internet or they're kind of on Facebook and stuff. Um, The internet kind of aged them out and got them to the point where they're not really into everything that's going on. And then I think with us, we feel like, you know, if you're me, when I say us, I'm saying everyone probably plus 25, right? I'm 36. So if you're, you know, above 30 um, and you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to be hip and young forever. The metaverse, the NFTs, um, this is the thing that will be the end of you, right? <laughs> Unless you want to participate, um, but you you simply may not. There's a lot of hype, I think, going around with this stuff, and it is the future. Um, it's It's not that hard to understand. And you may not want you may not want to be involved and just kind of how you turn, you know, our parents might turn their nose up to YouTube and all those things. um, And we didn't care about it. If you kind of feel a little like you don't care about the metaverse and NFTs, then that's perfectly natural because this this is you're now on the downward spiral of, of your existence. And I mean, this is a joke, right? If you don't know who I am, I'm Sammy Rye. And I like to talk about art and business. Um, different ways they connect and also help people understand how to build their passions right so yes, if you're you know a, a parent at home if you're someone working on your bakery business you know how does that relate to major motion pictures how does that relate to the stock market how does that relate to you know things that you could be doing in your life different principles that are universal that's what I like to talk about here on the podcast and the metaverse and nfts are something that I've been kind of interested in but I've also naturally felt like I don't really care. Um, like, oh, that's this new thing. Kind of like if, um, you know, when, when Vine came out, that was probably the so- first social media platform that I wasn't as interested in. I liked the idea of it, but when I first got on Vine, it, it closed like three weeks later, right? That's how late I was to Vine. I completely missed it, basically. Um, and I just got on TikTok. Um, I dragging my feet through Instagram. I kind of skipped Snapchat. So I'm in that age where I'm not an early adapter to every kind of digital trend, even though I love technology. And I think you know, maybe ten years later, it feels like the metaverse being talked about seriously and NFTs being talked about seriously. I had no initial interest. Um, I just recently started kind of learning about it, and once I grasped it and wrapped my head around it, I said I'm gonna make a special podcast episode to help people my age understand it, but also help people who are younger understand where this is really going because if you're full of hype and you think this is magic and it's some whole new thing it's actually very simple the metaverse is the internet it's the world wide web it's www.facebook.com that www you never really thought about it it's just what brings together the internet and the internet isn't technically one place there isn't really anyone that owns the internet kind of um, but the metaverse will be similar. Um, it's not magic. It, you will need you know, networking and routing um, infrastructure to get you to the metaverse, which is already here. It's already been here. The Internet is based on different wires and servers running across the world. And um, there's different people who control certain sections of it, companies that you never really hear about because you don't care. Um, that own lots of the infrastructure that makes up the Internet. So you have an Internet service provider like uh, Comcast or Verizon. They're helping you get to the Internet. They're bringing that modem to your house It takes you out to the street. But um, once you're out in the street, the Internet itself is made up by lots of big companies that um, built the actual infrastructure of what the Internet is. And you pay your Internet bill, and then you get on that Internet and that's how you connect to the World Wide Web. We some of us understand that there's also things that are called the dark web. The dark web isn't again spooky. It's not magical. It's simply internet websites that are built that aren't indexed by Google or other major search engines, so they're hard to get to. You can get to them. They have um, www you know websites that you can go to. But unless you know that specific website, um, and sometimes they're they're very unusual names. They might have like 35 characters, or like, www you know seven four five six seven eight. Some website you never would think to go to. If you dial that in and your computer can can connect to it, you can just connect to it. Um, but there's a lot of problems with connecting to things on the dark web because a lot of it's not regulated. However, it's not necessarily a bad thing. If you work at a big company, you might have what's called an intranet. An intranet might be a website that only your company uses, that if you go home to your home computer, you can't connect to that website. So technically your company's website is on the quote unquote dark web. The Dark web is a word, it's a concept. It's not a real thing. It's not one thing that's owned. It's just all the Internet websites that aren't something you can reach technically from Google, right? It's kind of sectioned off. Um, And that's also an oversimplification. If you're an IT guy and you're listening to me explain this, you're thinking, actually, no, actually, technically the Internet is... That's my. I'm just trying to break this down, and that's why I think it's the most important podcast episode I've ever done so far. Because I'm just trying to break this down to the average person what this means to them and what you can or cannot do. I mean, if you maybe are an older person and you think yeah, I'm not done, I want to stay up to date. There's some things you could be doing right now to to educate yourself in just a few days, and maybe after that, if you wanted to really get involved, or maybe a few more weeks. Um, you'd be surprised. Some very simple, easy tools you could be using to help create NFTs, help create spaces in the metaverse, help create items in the metaverse. It um, may make some money if you ever thought you have an interest in it. It's not hard, it's very simple. And, and a lot of this stuff, I want to demystify it and just explain it to you simple and plain. So. Let's hop in we're going to do this metaverse first then nft seconds um i think the metaverse is where it, it is the world wide web right so your nfts you can interact with it from the regular internet um and technically the metaverse will be on the regular internet but let's just go one by one and in that order. So what is the metaverse? Well, can you go make a website right now? Yeah, and there's a lot of companies to help you make a website. And in the future, yeah, you can make your own metaverse. It's not magic. It's just gonna be a tool that you can use to create your own metaverse. People have been making their own quote-unquote metaverse. Metaverse is just a, yes, a fun term. It's not a real thing. Um, it's just a concept, right? So if I say a website, Well, you know, a website like Facebook is very different than a website like, you know, Johnny's Pizzeria. They're both websites, but they're vastly different, different application, right? So one is simply that Pizzeria's website is going to have its main page, some basic information across three or four pages on how to order food from your local pizzeria. It's a completely valid website, very useful for people who want that pizza. Um, Facebook, if you then compare that to Facebook, Facebook is vastly different. Um, again, from you as a user, you're going to Facebook.com. There's one web page, which is your main page. And to you, that's pretty much what you're interacting with, right? If you want to send a message, you can do that on this website. Um, you can post a picture, post a video. You, you understand how Facebook works. But on the back end, Facebook has created a very, very intricate website that has all kinds of things going on to help us enjoy it the way that we enjoy it but they're both websites so in the future could you create your own metaverse absolutely it's just going to be your website it's going to be some company out there selling you the tools you need to easily create your website with some very simple and basic things and it's all going to be 3d and interactive um and i'm sure there'll be some 2d digital representations of the metaverse but it's all pushing you to interact with it in some other kind of way And how are you going to interact with it very simple the way that we all been already interacting with 3d spaces so you'll be able to access different metaverses in a vr capacity with goggles and handsets and haptic feedback which is like a suit that lets you feel certain things sure but everyone's not going to want to do that um you're going to have people who are also going to interact with it in more conventional ways with a controller like a tv remote or a PlayStation controller, Xbox controller, mouse and keyboard. Um, these are all gonna be different tools that humans have always used to go into any kind of space, to 3D, and now it's just gonna be the called the metaverse, right? People are people gonna refer to it as the metaverse? Mainly because that's the term Facebook use, and they get to decide because they're the ones that are gonna put billions of dollars into really creating the biggest spaces. There's some other companies that are also thinking about getting into the space but we're going to get into the dvd blu-ray laser disc wars right of the past we're going to learn from history to understand what is going to happen with this metaverse thing initially and that's what i talk about if you're a tech guy and you're super hyped and excited i get it but then we also have to look at the real world and how humans adapt to things how you interact with things and a lot of companies are making promises and this is some simple truth so the first real metaverse I think that's notable is something called Second Life. If you ever heard of Second Life, it's not that special. It's, yes, it basically was a game, one game, that existed on a computer. It was free. I think it existed since the 90s, right? It's like 30 years old. And Second Life was not the only game like Second Life, but it was one of the most popular virtual worlds you can go into. There were ways that you can make money through Second Life. Um, and it was very crude. It was very basic Um, and a lot of things were happening there in a non-user friendly way. Very, very hard to kind of learn how to make money in Second Life, but people were doing it and you would go to secondlife.com. You would install the video game basically for lack of a better word the program, the application, and you would log in and it wasn't very fun. (laughs) You would just log into Second Life and you could walk around this whole 3D world and jump to different people's basically part of that world. And there was lots of talks of business deals being done, people buying, you know, land in Second Life, people buying houses in Second Life. And you could be home, you know, creating digital assets. You could make like a 3D car and sell it in Second Life and stuff. But Second Life itself, the game, didn't have many things that you could do. Um, and because of that, it was very limited, right? So... It wasn't that fun. And everyone back in the 90s didn't start playing Second Life. The culture was also different. It wasn't the culture wasn't as interested in tech because we're talking about my parents generation here. Um, these people they they were just getting introduced to the Internet, but it wasn't something that was necessary for their daily lives. You could completely avoid the Internet and completely function and make money and live your life and it wouldn't matter. So fast forward to maybe 2010, um, and you look at people of my generation getting out of school, going into the workforce, right? So now we're in our mid-20s, early 30s or whatever, um, around that time period. And we, we got to also see the battle between DVDs, Laserdisc, um, you know, Blu-ray eventually winning out of that whole situation. And that's probably a done deal. I don't see anything ever gonna come into the Blu-ray space um, when it comes to physical media, because I don't, I don't think anyone even cares anymore, honestly. For other companies, it's not profitable to want to be the guy that's going to make the new kind of disc because people don't even want disc anymore. So I'm pretty sure Blu-ray is the, the you know end-all, be-all winner of how that whole thing's going to play out. Um, everything is now trying to stay digital and stay in the cloud, and so far it looks like Amazon's winning that game. But definitely, there's other companies that have huge, huge you know vested interest in that space. Um, but what does it mean to you, the regular person who's listening to the podcast, who maybe doesn't care about all this stuff, is to help you understand that when Facebook comes out with the metaverse, it's coming out with the Oculus Rift. They bought the Oculus Rift um, about 10 years ago. I guess technically they bought Oculus, right? Oculus is a VR company. A lot of people were making virtual goggles and trying to you know, claim dominance over the VR space. Oculus won that, right? They're Blu-ray, and there is no other person right now that I think is going to really challenge Oculus, which is why Facebook bought them, um, because that's the the leader in that space, Um, perhaps Valve with Steam. Maybe they might have something that's a little different, um, but I I don't really think anyone's going to be able to compete with Oculus because of culture, because of, you know, creating that accessibility into getting you into that space if you're someone over 40 over 50 and you have any chance of getting in the metaverse you're most likely going to do it through facebook it's just the most comfortable way for a user to do it so while there might be some guy out there a girl out there who's like no 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 the actually coolest way to get into metaverse is like um i don't want to name names but there's some other metaverses that are out now so let's say like second life part three right i don't even know if that's a real thing But it's say there's some other let me make a better name up. Let's um Destructo Land. Destructo Land, the new metaverse, right? Which something maybe you can go download right now and hop into it. You are you're seeing news articles about, you know, somebody bought a mansion for two million dollars in the metaverse. You're seeing those news articles because they're really trendy and they're making you click on things. The reality is they're just video games. there's just people. Some people made some video games that you don't care about. That no one will ultimately ever really care about. Um, sorry, that's just the end of that conversation, um, because you, you, they don't they don't drive culture. They don't get to decide. So there's a lot of tech people out there who are building these virtual worlds you can go into. And like anyone can do that now. You could you could be going you could do this right from your house with a regular computer with almost no money. You can build your own metaverse right now, but no one will care. Just how you could build your own website back in the eighties. And doesn't matter if you can't grab attention and make people come to your website, it doesn't matter. And when you're building these things, if you're not a giant company like Facebook and you don't have a way to really get attention, or like you're Perhaps you are a, like, imagine a YouTuber or someone with a lot of attention um, on whatever they're doing. They could possibly start a website and, or a metaverse you know, game and get you to go to it. I'm not aware of anyone right now of significance that has started to try to create their own metaverse. I think it's because most people understand that, you know, when you're looking at something like Oculus and Facebook, you're talking about billions and billions of dollars of a company that understands, number one, how to connect everybody. That's what they do. Um, Number two, they have the Oculus, so they have the technology. And the technology may not have been that great 10, 15 years ago, but it's only getting better. It's only getting cheaper. And it's all already in place. So if you feel like you and, like, your five friends can build the next greatest metaverse, maybe. Maybe you could, but the problem is you're going to be going against this billion-dollar titan that has all this advertising and stuff, and it's basically Laserdisc, DVD, Blu-ray, that whole kind of thing where, you know, it's as good as your tech might be, it's going to be difficult to completely muscle these people out. Now, again, it isn't going to be like Facebook is the only company. There are other companies like Epic, for example, Fortnite. Um, Fortnite is going to be a giant... um, not, see, and that's an oversimplification maybe, but Fortnite isn't the metaverse. Epic Games, their Unreal Engine that they have, that they use to make, um, or they have Rocket League is going to be a part of their metaverse, Fortnite and what Fortnite Creative can do as part of their metaverse. They have already put the tools in place to teach your kids how to build stuff in their metaverse, which is what Fortnite Creative is. Um, Epic, I think, has put over a billion dollars of funding into their Metaverse, and it's all based on the Unreal Engine. The Unreal Engine is something free. You can install it on your computer right now, and you can start building games. And when you you see that you're building games, that term isn't really a great term anymore. When you think about it, what is a video game? Well, you can pick up a controller. You move usually a character or object around a 3D space, and you can interact with that space. Maybe that object just takes you over to... This wall, and on the wall, there's some writing. That's a a metaverse, right? It's just a term. These are just words. The concept to understand is how do I get you to pay attention to what I want you to pay attention to? Because that's where we can put advertisements, and that's where we will continue to make money. And if your business in your neighborhood has a poster on a tree, right, a flyer hanging up somewhere, Okay, well, that's what, how your business advertises. You advertise with flyers in your neighborhood. That might be a completely valid way for your business to advertise. Um, but if I'm trying to find you know, where to repair my shoes and I don't want to get up and walk around the neighborhood looking for a flyer on the tree, that might not be the best way for me to find your business. Perhaps what I want to do is I want to Google what's the best place to you know, buy my shoes or get my shoes repaired. That that obviously happens on the World Wide Web right now, right? In 2021, 2022, we use the World Wide Web primarily to find that out. It's not the only way. I could use the Yellow Pages, right? I could use a phone book. Um, I could ask a friend. There's other ways for me to find your business. However. If what we typically do is on our phone, we log into the metaverse with our character and we like to walk around and go through a certain space and maybe inside that metaverse, there's some kind of way to search things probably brought to you by Google. Um, And then I want to find out what the shoes are. And that's what 10 year olds. That's what five year olds are going to want to do 10, 15 years from now. If they're constantly coming home from a hard day of work or they're on the bus and they like to pull out their phone and hop into the metaverse or Facebook's metaverse, or, or I should say Meta's verse, because like, they, they changed the name of the company. So I don't know exactly how they want to, you know, t- t- that, that, how that verbiage will go. Um, but if that's how, what they do and that's how they find information then your flyer on your tree is become pretty ineffective. It will always be effective a little bit. Again, if I'm walking past a tree, I then saw that. Um, but if you're thinking your barrier of entry is so far away, like if I, like, I can have Microsoft Word, I can make a flyer, how can I make a thing in the metaverse that can help you understand how to get to my shoe repair business? Um, it's easy. You go get your computer, any computer that has any decent computer, and you download something like the Unreal Engine, um, or you, you can learn uh, about Blender, that's another thing that you can get into. Um, really, the Unreal Engine, I think, is the best user-friendly way, it's the Microsoft Word, of how you can get into the metaverse, because there's so much you can do there, but it might be maybe too much, maybe if people don't want to get into that. Um, and, and Blender is, again, like, Blender is using Microsoft Excel, Right, like Blender is a way that you can make three D objects, but that's really it. Do you so if you don't want to, if you want to just have someone come to your shoe repair business and you want to make like a logo or like a picture of a shoe or a building, then Blender is great for that. You can make all the three D assets that represent your shoe repair business with Blender, um, and then you can import those into the Unreal Engine. But I feel like the Unreal Engine ultimately is what you're going to want to come to. They have all the tools that you need, it's free, and even if you don't End up using that. Let's say something like um, Squarespace is a company that's really popular for making websites. Let's say they, you know, they have to keep growing their business, so they decide they're going to be the company that's going to help you um, get into the metaverse. Then they're probably going to connect you with some similar tools to what the Unreal Engine offers, um, and say, hey, you know, bring us some digital assets, or we we will make those assets for you. And now, of course, you're paying paying them for you know to have whatever it is that they provide. What kind of digital assets they provide. And then you can have your shoe repair business created. It's going to be hosted on the internet. And then you can connect it somewhere to the metaverse. Honestly, though, in that in that situation, you're you're just it's just like if you make a Squarespace, right? I you know, I have Samuride.com. Does anyone care? I don't promote it. I don't have attention being drawn to it. So how are you gonna find it? It's not gonna be ranked high in a Google, you know, or any kind of search engine or Facebook search um inside of Meta. Or whatever they, however they use that platform to interact. So, what does it really matter, right? I think that's the thing to understand. You may not want to interact with it if you're not currently in the World Wide web um, arms race, which is pretty much over, right? <laughs> like, it's it's there's you know, definitely another five, maybe ten years, and there always will be that space for interest from our generation, right? Older people, right now, people I, and I say don't not older. In like a negative way, so you see people who are simply over, say, the age of twenty-five. Um, they're always going to interact with the World Wide Web. That's going to be their main way they're going to interact with the you know the world, probably until they die. And um, that's not a bad thing. You know, they're going to hear about the metaverse maybe twenty years from now when you know we're approaching our sixties. Maybe there'll be some really really easy way your kids will you know buy you some kind of you know Oculus 7.0 or something. And they'll throw it on your head or there'll be some glasses, like augmented reality is another way you can do it with like Google Glass. And you put some glasses on, press a button, and then you're in like the very um, shallow beginning of some kind of metaverse and you can order some pizza from Papa John's through it or whatever. Um, It's not magic. It's very simply how we interact with things and what that means to you. It may mean nothing to you. I'm sure if you're a naturalist or something like that and you like being out in the woods, And just chilling, it doesn't matter. It's not going to matter to you. However, and this is what I'm gonna get into more in the second part of that podcast, once I kind of give you a little touch on NFCs, if you are interested in what this stuff matters to you, I have lots of different ways that I think that you can get started and interested in it. Because if you're a naturalist, I'm my friend Pete, who comes to mind all the time, I don't know if you would call yourself a naturalist or if that's technically the word. Um, but if you're someone who's into nature and into the real world You know, this stuff isn't going to replace the the other things that are already great about life, going to see someone and smiling and laughing with them. That's never going to be replaced. This stuff is going to be just as interesting as the Internet is now. Right. Um, And it's going to take up a certain portion of our life the way the Internet and TV already does. Um, It's not going to completely change us and put us in some kind of virtual um world is simply there's there's other things that are also fun and everything gets boring and monotonous after a while this stuff is is not magic so a lot of times technology you know the the fun thing about it is you can take you know twenty dollars or for free while you look at advertisements you can hop into something and it makes life kind of feel good um but that's not going to over all replace people's human habits humans are going to want to do other things too so while the metaverse will, you know, give you a way to interact with people in a very fun, fulfilling way, in a better way than, let's say, if you're constantly like, talking on the phone and you have a handset in your hand, right? If you're, like, walking around your house and you're cleaning things up or doing something whatever and you want to talk to a friend, maybe holding a handset or having a Bluetooth in, maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to see them or hang out with them. It's going to be much more natural for our children and people who are maybe under 20 to spend enormous amounts of time interacting with their friends in a virtual setting. They already do it, right? It's just gonna be better. And not like necessarily graphically better. I think video gamers and people who are into video games from our generation kind of always thought graphics would be the future. And it never was gonna be that. It was always gonna be gameplay. And the word game is no longer important because these things aren't going to always be games. It's just interacting in a 3D space, a three-dimensional space, whether you're using a controller or, again, using VR goggles. So there's going to be more things like The Sims, I guess you would say um or more things like you know um playstation live i believe or playstation home was technically the um um, a foray into a metaverse like space if you don't know what playstation home is it's it's now closed down i think they relaunched it as something else no one uses it because it has no attention again that's the point so you playstation home was a place on the playstation three that you could log into and you could see some like games being advertised through PlayStation, and other companies could advertise in there. You could walk around this 3D space. Um, It's like a game, but there was nothing that you could play. There was nothing that you could do. So it was ultimately boring, and not everyone was inside of it, but it was a test. It wasn't a failure for Sony, it was a test. And our generation just isn't that used to spending that much time in that kind of space. So the PS3 was just extremely early. Same way Second Life back in the 90s was extremely early. Not enough people are comfortable doing that, and there's not enough reason to want to change your habits and make you interact with that space. You know, for people who like VR, people who can get into VR and Oculus, that would be a very enticing way for them to give out, give the metaverse a try. Some people won't like it, so they'll stick with a controller, um, and then eventually they're going to be TV remote control like devices to to they're designing that for your comfort and what you think they think you're gonna to wanna to actually do. Because not everyone's gonna to wanna to have goggles on their face, not everyone's gonna get some treadmill that they can stand on to walk around the metaverse. You're gonna physically be tired from doing stuff like that. A lot of people most likely wanna sit down on a couch or sit down in a comfortable place to interact with these things, because it's not magic. You're not plugging your head into the matrix. We're nowhere near anything like that. That might be something that ages our children out if it ever exists, because it just may not be necessary. Um, that's where I think people get a little too hyped when it comes to these things, where, you know, you for your children or your children's children to want to get up and go get some kind of surgery to get their brain to play a new video game, it's, it's not very practical because at the end of the day, humans are humans. And if that's ever going to happen, we are really far away in the culture of things, in the habits of things of that ever happening where people want to decide to get like that kind of elective surgery. It's no way we even know as a world if we'll ever have the infrastructure to facilitate augmenting that many people to do that kind of thing. So it's very, very science fiction to consider that. It's not very science fiction to put, pick up your controller right now and play Fortnite. Um, and that's pretty much what the metaverse is going to be. And it's just going to be a way that you can interact with those things. So that's about 30 minutes on, you know, trying to explain the metaverse is just like a website. Basically, Um, there's going to be two or three, you know, predominant companies in that space. A lot of companies are just going to hop into other people's spaces. Like Nike is probably going to hop into Facebook space. Nike has no reason to want to build its own metaverse. They want to, and if they, if Epic has a space, they're going to be there too. They're going to be in both spaces. Nike is already in Roblox. Roblox is not a metaverse right now, but it will have a metaverse in the future. Um, basically, another hub for people to interact with, where they can go to Roblox things but um nike and other people will have those representations there the same way nike has a store in your local mall and a mall in another part of the country um that's a similar concept you know and then you as a user if you want some sneakers you could just go to your mall or you can go on the world wide web or maybe if you really like it um when you're in the metaverse you could also buy some sneakers too they're also going to ship to your house or maybe you just don't want to buy sneakers to ship to your house. Maybe you don't want to spend a hundred dollars on those sneakers, but you will spend ten dollars on Nikes for your character in the metaverse because that's usually how you meet people and you want them to know you like Nikes. Or best case scenario for Nike, you do both. You you buy ten dollar Nike in the in the metaverse, um, and then you know on the metaverse. It's not even a good term. I, I you know it's. It's not one thing. It's it's like buy it's like saying like buy Nikes for like the internet. Like you buy, you know, a character in a video game, and that's typically just in that one video game, unless you have an NFT for it. And that's what NFTs are gonna be. So we're gonna do quick, quick commercial break. I'm gonna come back and do hopefully a quick fifteen or thirty on NFTs. NFTs are gonna be how you link everything that you own digitally in the future Um, and it's a way that you can tie it into your local business where you can tie it into your art and it's very simple it's not magic it's like um, a receipt a token and people are using them in a lot of weird ways which i'm going to try to explain some ways that might seem a little funky it might seem a little stupid to some people and yeah some of it is stupid but some of it is just kind of misunderstood so hopefully I'm doing a decent job of breaking this stuff down for you guys. And what the after the commercial, we're gonna come back and get more into NFTs and then how you know you could use that stuff for yourself too. And we're back with the second part of the special edition episode, you know, the metaverse, NFTs explained to you simply by Samurai. Rye. Thank you for coming to the podcast with Sammy Rye. Um, where I usually talk about art business, and this week we're kind of focusing on You know, NFTs, the metaverse, and how these things are going to be, you know, used for you is a very simple way for you to understand NFTs. An NFT is a token. It's a way to mark something that you own digitally. There's always been a problem that we've had, a very simple problem. If I'm on Amazon and I buy a movie on Amazon, an instant video movie on Amazon, and then I go to, let's say, my cable providers, you know, platform where they sell movies like on Comcast is a good example. Um if you know that company, it's an internet providing company and they they sometimes sell digital movies. Um iTunes, that's, that's that's better, right? iTunes sells movies. If I buy, you know, Iron Man 7, you know, on Amazon, why do I have to buy it again in iTunes, right? If I bought the DVD for this or the physical medium of it, I own this movie now. I purchased a copy of it from Marvel who made Iron Man 7 or whatever. Why am I buying this twice? That doesn't seem fair. Well, iTunes and Amazon both have these separate, you know, markets and they wanted to both control all of digital content in the future. And ultimately they didn't and they both built pretty healthy environments for themselves. But there's a few of these, you know, about, you know Voodoo Video, um, there's like maybe four or five of these companies that have these, these services. And at this point, no one cares. Um, you kind of have your favorite and the one you like a lot. You probably have a lot of things purchased in it. And odds are you're not moving to the other one, right? So there was no one end-all, be-all thing for this. However, if you're a company trying to sell digital movies, And you have people that are stuck in this space where maybe you're doing a sale on Amazon, but they're stuck over on iTunes. Well, they created something called Movies Anywhere to help link all that. Movies Anywhere is a a basic app, and all its real function, the technology behind it is to help bridge all your digital libraries into one place. That was a band-aid. That was something that they had to do because there was not enough planning when it first came out to help people own things digitally in a way that matters because if it does not matter people will not want to do it so nfts are the solution to that for the future basically what an nft is it's a digital thing and people like to talk about it in a way that makes it sound stupid right where they're like oh it doesn't exist it's not in the real world or whatever it, it doesn't matter. Your, your dollar in your pocket is a piece of paper. It, it has no real value. Um, the fact that that dollar is connected to our economy and it represents currency for us, that's the only reason why that piece of paper in your pocket that used to be a tree matters at all. It, it's, it's just paper. I can go rip it up. Now it doesn't matter anymore, right? Um, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not something that's really important. We put importance into it. Ergo, it becomes important. That's what NFTs are. It's something that people are putting importance into. So yes, it will be important whether you like it or not, whether it seems unusual to you. um, It's just new and different. And this is why we might get aged out if you're over 25 because if the attitude stays with our generation of I don't care, cool, you might not have to ever care. You can just... Not do it, but if you're 60 years old and you want to go do something, and someone asks you for your NFT, and you're all mad about it, and you're like, I oh, don't, I don't have those NFTs, I don't mess with that, and then you can't do the thing you want to do, or it's a real pain for you to do that thing you want to do, yeah, that's how the future works, right? So, <laughs> that's the thing that people don't understand about that. Um, if I go buy a pair of Jordans in the store, you know, going back to what I talked about earlier in the podcast. That's great, but then when my Jordans get all messed up and they get all old, I gotta go spend another $100 again on these Jordans, right? And I'm probably only gonna buy one pair, maybe two pairs if I'm really into Jordans, of different colors, right? Um, And for Nike, you know that's how they sell sneakers. That's something that's gonna always happen. In the real world, our Jordans will get older, they will break, and they will wear down. Um, And that's it, and they're done getting your money. There's no more money you're going to give Nike unless they can figure out another way to make you want to give them some more money. So maybe you don't want to give them another $200. Maybe that's asking a lot. But perhaps you'll give them $5. Perhaps you'll give them $10. And maybe you'll do it not one time, but maybe you'll do it every time you get a paycheck, right? What's a pair of Jordans every paycheck? 10 bucks, no big deal. Um, for us, that might seem ridiculous, you know, but that's the, that's the end goal for every company. You know, if you're Spotify... And you're giving me ten dollars a month to share your your music app with three or four of your friends, and then we have to block them and ban them and do and try to keep people off our platform. But then we convince you, hey, for fifteen dollars, we'll give you four logins or six logins for Spotify Family, and you can give that to all your friends. Well, now you you're giving them five more dollars than you would have done before, and now you and your six most likely can you know closest people that you're willing to log on. Um, Now you give money to Spotify and then also there's some advertisements in there. This is how little by little a company gets a bit more money and gets bigger and bigger because they're selling everybody one little small thing. So if you're Nike and you got the Grey Jordans that just dropped in Fortnite last week, 2021, December, um, you can get those Grey Jordans in your Fortnite game and those Grey Jordans will exist on your Fortnite character inside of Epic's ecosystem forever, for 10 bucks right um and what can you do with those digital jordans are they the same thing as real jordans no they're not they're not at all um but when you bought your jordans you're also buying fast food you're also buying video games you spend money on lots of things throughout the year and if nike can leverage their brand recognition in the real world and make you care about your jordans and call of duty um, then Nike gets more money from you. And they're already using 3D tools to help create their real-world their real world stuff. They have people who already design using the popular 3D methods to, to make the actual practical sneaker in the real world. So why not just sell you that same thing that they basically delete at some point, right? Or they leave it stored in a file somewhere. They're not going to sell you their, their stuff that they have at work, right? They say, okay, well, we'll take that 3D asset We'll now give it to another company or even a company like Epic might come in and say, don't worry about it. We see the sneaker. We'll draw it for you. We have our own animators. And then we're going to sell that in our version of our metaverse. Now, whether that's bridged in and carries over to Facebook's metaverse, if you're, if it's separate, and it probably will be at first. Well, I don't know. How does Epic tell Facebook that you know the Jordans are they're already there. Maybe maybe they don't want to. Maybe at first, like Blu-ray and, and Laserdisc or DVD or whatever, maybe you might have to buy two, right? Maybe maybe for, Facebook says, no, no, no. We want you buying your copy of your great Nikes through our Oculus platform. We don't even want to talk to Epic about this. Um, and that creates a problem because then like with the digital video, a problem that happened in history already. It might be hard for Nike to sell you Jordans if every time you go to one of these other companies, they're worried about themselves. Facebook is worried about themselves. Epic is worried about themselves. They may not care about whether or not you have to buy your great Jordans and other companies' things and their and their metaverses because they kind of just want you in theirs. However, what Nike can do is they can use NFTs to link overall your token, your a redemption, a way for you to say, I own this digital thing. Um, And here's my NFT proving I own this digital thing. So if there's a place which these things would be currency or markers, basically, for for things you own digitally in your game made by Epic or your metaverse made by Epic, if you buy your Jordan and it comes with an NFT for your Jordan, any other platform that uses NFTs will then let you redeem your Jordans on that platform, too. That's a possibility. Right. And I say that's a possibility, but really it's going to be um, something that's inevitable because that's what's gonna be comfortable to the user. So any company who may at first may not want to do that, they're gonna have to eventually do it because that's like you buying Jordans in the real world and then me being like, well, I own this restaurant and you gotta buy Jordans in our restaurant if you wanna walk in here with those Jordans. No one would ever do that and as soon as one company enables nfts to you know redemption in, in their metaverse every company will have to enable meta, metaverse um NFC, um redemption in their metaverse or else it'll kill their metaverse right because as kids kids are not going to be cool with buying these same things over and over and over again in every single game they already are not cool with it that's why games like fortnite dominate the market because if you buy iron man and fortnite why am I buying him again in Call of Duty? Why am I buying him again every single place? What people do is they end up playing in one game. And the word game is a bad word, right? Because that's the word that's going to be switched with metaverse, right? The, the Fortnite metaverse, the Call of Duty metaverse. It's just a place where people put their attention, where they explore a space in a 3D space using whatever methods comfortable to them, remote or controller, or whatever, and um, I mean, it's very possible to you know get into a video streaming service like Netflix and say, well, Netflix may have a metaverse in the future. That's less likely because that's not what Netflix does. They don't they don't have infrastructure and a company that worries about creating 3D objects or space or connecting people. That's not what they've done traditionally. And I don't see any benefit. Just like Nike. There's no reason for Nike to go building virtual worlds and social media platforms that they don't do that. Epic Games builds virtual worlds. They own the Unreal Engine. That's a tool for building virtual worlds. It's the best tool. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be in that that fight. Um, Facebook connects people on social media, and they have Oculus, which is a video game-making company, and they have the, 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 the tools for you getting into it that way through VR. So they're going to put all their money into this space. But there's other companies that simply just aren't going to be interested in trying to make a metaverse. So they might be people who are also selling objects, and that's where NFTs are going to be for them, right? So let's say you make something. You make a picture, um, or you draw, or you um, make a video or something like that, and you say, well, I'm going to connect an NFT to this video, right? So I'm, I'm Sammy Samurai, right, and I have the Chrome Reality, which is my my going to be my thing. I sell my product, and I'm going to sell that. In book form, right? You can get an audiobook, you can get a Kindle file for it, a PDF file, right? Um, or if you buy this book from me, me and other authors and other people who are creating things, we have a question we have to ask ourselves. If you wrote a book ever and decided you wanted to make an audiobook, not all people do that. Not all authors do that. However, there's some authors right now who are becoming authors simply by making audiobooks. There's Kevin Hart's the most recent example, who has an Audible original book that um, was a bestseller on Audible. It doesn't have a physical book form to it, right? That's his choice. One of his books doesn't have a physical book form to it. It's just an audio book. Technically, that's just a podcast, right? If you're just talking, it's kind of just like a podcast or it's a song with no music. It's just an, an audio recording. It's an MP3 or wave format. But the way people perceive these things commercially, Obviously, is extremely advantageous to these companies because Audible paid Kevin Hart to talk for eight hours and, and produce the, the book and make sure it was well written or well thought out or however he created it, and then gave it to people on their platform as a free thing. So I'm sure Kevin Hart got paid for it. I'm sure it brought you know positive attention to to Amazon and Audible. So when you're thinking about you know all these different things as a business maker or someone who is as a creator as someone who's trying to be an entrepreneur what could this mean for you when you're stepping into a new virtual representation of our world it's not magic um i'm trying to think of a more practical way if you're someone who makes arts and crafts like on etsy then you could c- connect nfts into the the very special things that you make and that if you decide to do that, that's going to put you in a place where you have an earning potential that's so much greater and you don't understand what I mean so much greater than another person who just wants to make arts and crafts. For example, let's say let's say you make a statue of some sort, right? Or you make some kind of wood figure, whatever you like to whatever medium you like to work with in your arts and crafts and you sell it on Etsy. And then if you don't know how to do it, you should learn how to do it, but if you don't know how to do it, um, you want to create an NFT that shows somebody that my blue statue I made called I don't know the blue guy. I made this on Etsy. You can buy it. It's handmade, right? There's gonna be lots of people who are already already doing that. But if I make an NFT for it that says yes, and you own this in a digital form, right? So in your Sims Five and your Sims Six or whatever, you can have a 3D copy of my my statue I made for you for an additional like $2, $3 or whatever. Why not, right? Why would I not wanna pay that? So if I buy the statue from you, I can also have it in The Sims. And how that works is the 3D model that would go with it, there's lots of different ways companies can leverage technology to help you get your 3D model in. Simply take a picture with your camera phone. Take a picture with your camera phone, upload it, it renders a 3D model of what your object is. If it's a simple object and doesn't have a lot of motions and stuff to it, that's one way. Or using a program like Blender, you can have someone take your 3D object and make it have movements and stuff to it. There will be services and all kinds of people that will do these kind of things for you. Um, Even Etsy might have a platform or something they integrate with or someone they partner with that helps their users create these kind of objects. And then Etsy gets to charge you a few more dollars. And then you get to charge your consumer a few more dollars. And it kind of creates creating more and more money for everyone. And then when you look at a company like EA, if they ever – I'm not not mentioning EA much because I don't know – what they're gonna do with the Sims, based on the culture of EA and how kind of closed off they've been to a lot of things. Hopefully, in the future, they'll be more open to those kind of things. But like, there's a lot of digital modding and things. If you're into the Sims on computer, people've been doing for free for a long time. Where you're bringing in 3D assets, the technology has already been there, but it's not a habit. There's not a, a really easy way to do it. That's where companies like EA can do better. But I don't, I, don't, I haven't seen a culture of EA. That says they're going to do that um maybe ubisoft but ubisoft is like 10 years behind and it doesn't matter to the average person if if you don't really into those things that's where i think those are more niche companies um in the sense where they haven't already demonstrated um a great uh, culture of sharing things a good example is um the venom skin in fortnite most recently so venom is a character um based on marvel comics they had a movie recently he had just two movies and in Fortnite, they sold the venom skin um you know last year but then they made a new venom skin this year and people were a little upset about that they they were almost upset about it for one second because they thought hey i just bought venom last year for ten dollars why do i have to buy him again this year um that kind of seems unfair right usually in, in Fortnite, what they'll do is they'll give you a different style for the skin you already own but they they sold this one separately so, like, in the first day, I, I think like right off the bat, because of Fortnite's culture, Epics Games' culture, what they did was they had already put something in the skin that if you owned the, uh, the other skin, the new one was cheaper. You basically were just buying the style. Um, it, it exists in two different ways in the game, but you you could have them both like, like a, a discount. And that's a good culture because no one got mad. Everyone said, oh, that's fair. I understand you made a new skin. It has Tom Hardy in the skin. It's just five more dollars for me. Instead of me having to pay 10 more dollars, I guess you guys aren't ripping us off. That's what's going to make Epic Games always successful because they don't abuse their customers. um, And they're not predatory to their customers. And other companies aren't always like that so i don't know in the future if those companies are worth mentioning right now in this podcast episode because they might they they might not they'll be those companies i feel like that are going to try to bleed people and you're going to lose to a company like facebook that's trying to do it pretty much all for free or again a company like epic who tries its best to be fair with the way that they make people spend their money um and i i think there's a lot of companies are going to make obviously huge mistakes when it comes to nfts and the metaverse Um, So the last thing I'll talk about with NFTs in particular to kind of, you know, bring it back to that is that another way people are using it right now, which is confusing, is they're using it selling what appears to be digital art. Um, And there's some truths to this and there's some things that are false to this. Right. So everyone talks about NFTs as if you're buying digital pictures. Kind of. Right. You're really you're not buying digital pictures. You're buying the token that links you to being the owner of a digital picture. And people say, well, that's that's kind of stupid. Why would I want to own a digital picture? I can just screenshot it. I can take a picture with, it with my camera phone, right? Um, and then I have the picture, right? Um, yeah, but you can go download a picture of the Mona Lisa. But do you own the Mona Lisa? I mean, if you don't want to own the Mona Lisa and you're an average person, again, you're just not participating in art culture. So it doesn't matter to you. But to the people that it does matter to, people who want to spend money in this space, it matters if you have the real Mona Lisa, right? Um, Another way this worked for us was in comic books. If you had any interest in comic books, when comic books were coming out, there are people who will tell you, oh, I have Superman number one. It's worth like half a million dollars, right? It's the actual Superman number one. However, DC, being a company who wants to make money, at some point might have done what they call a reprint, where they reprint Superman number one. It might be a little different or something like that. The reprint of Superman number one is not worth almost anything. It's the same exact thing physically on paper when you're looking at it, but everyone knows it's a copy. So you can own it. You can buy it from d c for five dollars. sure. and d c makes some money. But to a collector, someone who cares about you know where that paper came from, when it was made, it's worth nothing to them. But that number one copy, the original time it got printed, that could be worth half a million dollars, right? Maybe more to someone, right? So to the average person, you cannot participate. And yes, in that way, NFTs don't matter to you. But to the person who's saying in the future, this picture is going to matter. And and when you go into a space where NFTs, I'm going to be the person that has the ownership of this picture. Again, we have an interesting scenario. If we're all playing and hanging out or in one of these main dominating metaverse places like Epic Games, whatever they call their thing, and in Facebook's metaverse, that famous picture that people are selling right now that no one cares about, if there's only 100 copies of it or if there's one copy of it, only one F- NFT of it, and you come to my virtual house in the future and I have the original copy of it, now that thing that you didn't care about in 2021 that cost me 50 bucks to buy online, now you can't buy it in the future. Now, in the future, if you're playing with your Metaverse money, your Epic's game money, if you're trying to convert U.S. dollars into that currency, and you're saying, oh, wow, you actually have the one copy of this digital thing in this environment, right? Yeah, I can go outside and print it on my computer, but when we log into the Metaverse, you want to flex on me, and I come to your virtual house. And if this is where, again, you and me in our 30s might not be spending most of our time, but our 5- and 10-year-olds, when they grow up, they'll be spending a lot of their time that's going to be such a cool thing to have for them if they're the person who says yeah in my in my um you know epic games thing or my facebook thing i have the token the nft that says i'm the person allowed to have this picture in my house and you guys can't have it in your house that thing becomes practically priceless right or maybe you're the person who owns the nft says okay well i'll sell it to you for hundred thousand dollars, right? Because I want, I need a hundred thousand dollars. I'm gonna convert this back to U.S. money, right? I need, I need some money, right? That's no different than than how con- countries currently have different currencies, right? So you hear about Bitcoin, you hear about like Ethereum, these other like um you know blockchain currencies. It's no different than you know having money in Europe, the euro, or having a U.S. dollar, right? If I'm in Europe, then I can use the euro. I can't go down to my local McDonald's in New Jersey and buy something with a euro, right? It doesn't work there. But I can go to the bank up the street and convert my euro into US dollars if that's advantageous to me. Is people talk about that in two different ways. Some people say, Well, the US dollar, the euro's worth more. Doesn't does not it's not worth anything if I'm not at a place that accepts it. So if for some reason I have Euros and I wanna go someplace, yeah, I might be losing value by switching it to US dollars in the scenario, but I need a cheeseburger now, right? So I have to convert it and and get what I'm eating with this. So if you look at something like Bitcoin or Ethereum, is if there's some places it's accepted or not accepted, then it's worth something or not worth something to you. So then you'll have to convert it. There's ways that you can convert it or you can sell it or trade it. Same thing going back to US dollars. So there could be an unfortunate person who has an NFT for a picture and maybe they decide they want to sell it and they find someone who literally wants to buy it for this other virtual currency. And I say, OK, fine, I'll, I'll sell you my, my token of this virtual picture and I can convert this back to regular money. And this other person who's in a better place in life and they don't need the money right now, they get the flex. They have this digital copy of this item. And in a world where there's, you know, billions of people and those boundaries of where you live and where you interact are becoming less and less important. We can go online. We can all hang out together. If they make a thousand copies of an NFT, right? That's what they do. A lot of these pictures. Sometimes there's like 10,000 copies or a thousand copies. Usually like kind of small. That's still extremely rare so it won't be like one mona lisa necessarily because it's not that profitable for the the content maker right now that's why you see a lot of these guys are making 500 copies or a thousand copies it's still extremely rare and the most recent project i saw for an nft that i'm again i'm looking at it too i'm not hyped about it i'm not excited about these things i don't have any nfts i don't have any digital currency i will at some point but right now i'm not i'm not naturally excited about it i'm in my late 30s right my mid 30s i guess you would say Um, but i'm understanding how this works when an nft for these digital pictures how people are trying to create more value around them is giving you things beyond the picture because really the nft is a token it's not a picture the picture is just a way for us to represent this token so i seen one recently called raging bull right now raging bull is an nft there's nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine copies of this picture which means you can only own, only that many people can own it basically at maximum, right? If everybody had one copy of this NFT. But Raging Bull isn't just a picture. It's something that if you buy one and you get 10 of the Raging Bulls, you get entered for a drawing to win a a McLaren, an actual car in the real world, right? Um, I think the McLaren is a car that they're doing. There's another set within there which is like the raging bull like in like cyberspace right like a, and basically how they represent all nine, all these pictures is there's actually like this the bull and like each bull has like a different outfit on. so it's not like collecting Pokemon if you if you understand how that works so if you have all the fire type Pokemon then you get you basically get a, a Lamborghini it's not even a lottery if you can somehow collect all the fire type Pokemon, we're gonna give you a real world Lamborghini right? Now, you might say, well, that doesn't make sense. How's this sound like a scam? And there are lots of NFT scams out there. But with this one, how it works financially, because I did the math for it, if you wanted to buy one of these things right now, it costs you $5,000, right? And there's 999,000 of these. And I don't have the paper in front of me. But basically, what this equates to is the person who made this NFT had about $2 million worth of money to buy the cars necessary to promote this NFT. Selling these NFTs on their website, they control the price, starting at $5,000. Once they sell all of these, they will have made $39 million. So from $2 million, they now have $39 million. And what you get as a user, if you can get 10 copies of this NFT and you get that McLaren, you get that Lamborghini, you for $50,000 got a Lamborghini. That's the difference, right? So it's it's a form of gambling. It's a form of collecting in a way, but it all makes sense when you think about it from people who have this money to play with in this one project, right? If you're someone who has a million dollars or $2 million or access to these cars, and then you can make these the pictures don't matter. That's when people don't understand. People see these little pictures and they think that the drawings are crude or they're not that great. It doesn't matter. For these people, what matters is the services they're associating with these NFTs. The same way I'm saying that those Jordans that you buy in the real world could have an associated NFT with it that then allows you to do something else. That token is a, is a representative of of value of what you get to have if you purchase this. And it's not difficult. You I, you could take $5 right now, go and purchase. Uh, not You can't have a whole Bitcoin, but basically you're going to have like Think of it as like a, a, let's call it a, a portion of a Bitcoin or whatever. But you're gonna have some, you know, whatever the conversion rate currently is for one US dollar into a virtual currency. I think a lot of times it's like $5 or $10 is the minimum you buy into these things. Um, and then once you have that currency, you can then try to purchase an NFT with it, right? And it's all existing in your virtual wallet. So if you're a person who has this kind of money to play right now for this, this like one project, for example, if you have $50,000, Of disposable income and you kind of want to gamble or you want to collect it's kind of more of a collector's thing because what you have to do is convince the owners of those other nfts to sell you their nft which is great right if you're a person who had five thousand dollars only you bought one of the raging bulls that matter right you bought one of the the ones that um are involved in the set that unlocks the car well, now you have something that's pretty valuable because you can sell this to that guy, that ambitious guy who has maybe $100,000, and he wants that McLaren for $100,000. He comes to you and says, hey, I paid 5000 for my first token. I need nine more of these. You happen to have another one, I see. I want to buy it off you for 5000 You bought it for 5000 You say, well, no, I'm not going to sell this to you for $5,000. i am going to sell this to you for 50000 And he says, well, I, I, I don't have that kind of money. I can't. I need all 10 of these. I can't buy it at that price. You say, well, okay, well, I'll sell it to you for 7,000 because you're not the person that has the money to go buy the other 10, but you did buy one. So the guy says, fine, I'll give you 7,000. He can afford that. You just made $2,000 off of selling your NFT token, right? Why not do that? If you have the money to afford it, and you, you you want to gamble in this space because the the truth is that collector might never come around. That's the other thing that this disappointing people. That's what gets people mad if that doesn't happen for you the way it's supposed to happen for you. This stuff can all end with no one ever redeeming that McLaren, no one redeeming that Lamborghini, and this the, the yeah the first guy technically sold your air, but what we're seeing a lot right now is that there are a lot of successful projects that are you know inspiring other projects. And whether they work out or not, remain to be seen. But every time there's a success story, we're going to hear about that. And it really it comes down to who's selling this. I, looking into it, don't know who's selling the Raging Bull NFT. So, me personally, I wouldn't get into that one. However, there's a lot of celebrities and trusted brands who are doing similar promotions where if you buy an NFT, that also gets you like a ticket to the conference, right? I think V Friends is one I'm, I'll plug on the podcast. Uh, v Friends is a cool NFT community I am involved in. I haven't purchased any NFTs. I'm just watching the community um, and I, I, Gary V is the person running it, VaynerMedia, and I have absolute trust in Gary v. Um, And that's the cool thing is since you like a certain person, you trust them. They now can use NFTs to incentivize your behavior to get you to do this or do that or whatever. And that gets them money, that gets them startup capital so they can do bigger projects. But then as a consumer for you, that, lets, that gets you exclusive benefits. You get to talk to these people. You get to be on the inside with them. So on Patreon, for example, people used to kind of just give you money for nothing. Well, now they can give you money for NFTs. And that's a, that's a token saying, hey, I am someone who supported you. Kickstarter is another thing. I did a Kickstarter project that worked, right? And now I think about it. It would have been such a big benefit if we had NFTs back then. We had about 110 backers. I would love to have given those 110 backers NFTs that prove they backed me. And then when I did a Chrome reality project in the future, and if I'm doing like, you know, if I make 500 um, issue number ones of a comic or whatever. I could have said, Hey, you 110 backers, you get the first hundred copies of this, this comic, the, the the digital version of it or whatever, because you own that NFT and thank you for supporting me. And that would then tell other people who aren't supporting me, Hey, when I support this guy and his brand, he's going to give us you know dividends on this in the future. If you invest in him, he's going to always give you a kickback when he can, that creates trust with a brand. And that NFT now suddenly has value when you're, you're dealing with me, because now I'm giving you things that you want. Um, and I'm also treating you fairly and also know who you are. Because the problem with what companies don't do that is there's no way currently, or there wasn't a way before NFTs, for a company that sells you something digitally to know that you're on the other platform, right? If you buy something through Amazon, how does Marvel know that you bought their movie in Amazon and then they should also give you the movie in iTunes? There was no way to represent that before. NFTs are a solution to that. simply. It's like a receipt basically, or a token. This says, I purchased this thing. Um, not everyone's gonna let you redeem it other places, of course, but the places that do do that, like every place that accepts US currency, those businesses are going to work. If you walked into a local business and they only you know accepted wood chips or something like that, you know something that's some kind of odd token. Um, you most likely wouldn't work go there anymore because they don't accept your actual currency, right? and that's something that you're going to see happen a lot where you know the places who you know try to rip people off and scam people and provide things without value they're going to create all the negative news articles around these things but that's why companies that obviously that you know that you can trust at least to make money you might not trust them ethically but you trust that they're going to they're going to serve themselves they're going to make money off of you those successful companies are going to be the places people are going to really put their money. And all the other niche stories, just like in the past with weird websites and all the other scams or, you know, niche technology that didn't pan out. Everyone who wants to, for some reason, always invest. in the guy with the weird metaverse, the guy with the weird NFTs and stuff like that, all those shady things. They're going to create all these bad news articles. And people, people who don't, older people especially, who don't want to get involved, like, see, I told you NFTs were a scam. See, I told you the metaverse is stupid. And they're just doing that because that's what makes them happy, right? Because they don't want to adapt, they don't want to have to get involved in these things. It gives them an out, you know, to to not be doing these things. But for people who do want to get involved, there's a lot of opportunity here and unique things you can do. And I'll use that lot to close it out with the whole naturalist guy, right? When I talk about my friend Pete, and these are things I'm gonna talk about with Pete. And it's a great thing. I don't mind talking about the podcast and hopefully it gives you guys ideas out there and, and you know, a way that you can relate it to what you're doing because simply you're not going to do it, right? Most people aren't going to do it. And that's a challenge. Right? So it's a slight jab and a slight challenge to anyone who hears this. And that's uh, so why I can talk about these ideas freely and I don't care if anyone tries to steal them because most people won't do them. But I think a really cool thing about a naturalist, a guy like Pete, who's so outside of technology, um, or any person who does this, someone who's into services that don't have necessarily tangible things, um, it's, it'd be great to show a way that someone's supporting your community, right? Or they're supporting what you're doing. Um, and NFTs are a great way to do that. It's like giving someone a receipt? Why hand you a receipt of paper, right? That's not, that's not uh, environment-friendly, right? But I can hand you a receipt that's an NFT that says, hey, thank you for supporting me. Thank you for doing this thing. And because you supported me this time, I'm going to then, you know, give you more things in the future. You'll be involved in this thing. It's a way to prove that you belong to this community in a tangible way. and so it always provide you kickback. And it's going to create revenue for that company to then keep growing, right? Because any company that you love, a lot of times you would love to support them. But it's not an automatic way to support them, usually. Um, but, like, if you have, like, a Netflix, you know how to sign up for a subscription. But why can't you... Subscribe to your local bakery. Why can't you subscribe to your local Chinese store, right? Why can't you give them something all the time and say thank you in some kind of way, especially since they're also saying thank you to you, right? Coupons and those kind of things. Um, why not have it so if you buy a certain amount of food at a Chinese store, you then get an NFT that also gives you like a free, you know, um, I don't know, uh, lo mein every every month or something like that or whatever, Um, And that's that they can represent that with the NFT. It's like having that receipt, but it's universal. It transcends having you only stuck in one system. Another example of that is like the punch card. Right. That's kind of what I'm thinking of. Like you go get yogurt and there's 10 punch cards. Um, you go get, you know, you buy 10 yogurts, you get this little paper punch card. We don't have to do that anymore. You can just use an NFT for that. You can just create a token, have it inside your virtual wallet, and that company can say, hey, thank you for supporting us. This entitles you to other future benefits. And we know that it's you because the NFT token is unique to just you, the one that we gave you. And this goes up across lots and lots of things. So yeah, it's a lot to, to go over. There's a lot of possibility with this. The same way there's a possibility with paper. It's like explaining to someone all the things they'll be able to do with paper when paper first hits the market and you can go buy it. Um, it. It is truly that simple. Where like it might be nothing to you, paper can be nothing. We throw away paper. We use it for toilet paper. We make napkins out of it, right? Um, so if you looked at a tree and you figured out how to make it into paper. There's gonna be naysayers at that time saying, "Well, this paper is stupid." It's the same thing with NFTs. Yeah, you can go make a bunch of worthless NFTs. They mean nothing. Um, you can go online and probably make endless NFTs digitally. They mean nothing. But if you can make something that provides value and people can use it as currency, well, then it could mean it can mean everything. It can mean millions and millions of dollars to someone. If that thing, if you have someone who has millions of dollars to spend then yeah it can mean everything or like superman number one lots of people threw away their copy of superman number one right people didn't care about it it meant nothing to them and it was just paper sure and it's to somebody else it might be worth a whole lot of money it really just depends on what you what you're dealing with um and hopefully people understand that all the mistakes that we already made with physical things in the past are the same mistakes that we can make with nfts in the future. So if you, you know, if you see something and you don't have a lot of money and you try to collect something and get into this and, you know, you want to like mortgage your house to buy a bunch of NFTs, not a good idea because that's not something for you. However, there are probably ways that you could make NFTs to leverage whatever your passion is, whatever your business is. Um, And you have to just be creative with it the same way you're creative with paper, right? If someone makes a raffle ticket and hands it out and that represents something for their raffle, Well, what's your raffle, right? What's the way that you can apply that to your business? Hopefully that helps you understand NFTs are not something magical. They're not something to be afraid of or something to hate. There's also not something necessarily to be too hype about, um, unless you really love paper, right? Because they're just tokens. They're just representations of something in the digital space that helps us break that barrier that companies have tried to set in the past where they kind of force you to play with their money. um, And then they don't let you get out of their space because they want to kind of monopolize the whole thing. The metaverse is going to crack that open. Where now, you know, if you go into the Facebook metaverse, everyone's going to have to play fair because that's where attention is. That's the thing that changes things. Not that they want to play fair. If all your money and your time is in the Facebook metaverse and these other major companies like Epic and stuff, other companies are going to lose out long term if they are trying to, you know, abuse people and, you know, price gouge. People will do this. And this is what I'm trying to warn you of. Um, When you step into this space, I personally would only work with companies that, you know, have a proven track record of being good to their customers. If they're abusive to their customers, I would not hop in with anything I'm not afraid to lose. Right. And we've been losing for a long time. If you bought digital content for a Sega game or something like that and that game is gone, you lost all those things. It doesn't matter. So that's the last thing I'll address is people like, oh, what if I lose my NFT wallet? well, be more responsible because you've lost lots of digital content in the past. There's platforms that have gone away. You've lost physical content, right? Your VHS tapes don't matter anymore. Your CDs don't matter anymore. Um, So if you buy NFTs or you buy things in a space and that company goes away or it was kind of a scam or a pipe dream, then it's no different than all the other things that we've ever invested in that didn't pan out. However, for the companies that have a proven track record who probably will be here for the rest of your lifetime, that's where you would spend money. And, you know, for, for me, I buy my my videos on Amazon, right? Because Amazon's not going anywhere. I understand why people bought music through iTunes because iTunes wasn't going anywhere. It's, it's not really going anywhere, right? The Apple Store is still there. So that's what I'm talking about. I think those are places to do things. There's a lot of rogue niche kind of companies selling the NFTs and promoting their metaverse, and that's nice and all, but... If, I, I don't know if that's where everyone should be trying to play. It's kind of like the commercialism of something that's been real cool and really like niche to the internet for a while. But once those big companies make it comfortable for the user, that's the only time it's ever going to really spread. So, you know, if you want to, you don't have to do anything. It's going to come to you. One day you'll log into Facebook and there'll be some kind of button that says launch the metaverse or whatever. And if you have a, a supported device, you'll be able to launch into the metaverse and you'll be there. There's nothing you have to do. Um, I'm sure they'll have some kind of digital currency, whether, it, you know, initially it's represented by just simple U.S. dollars or if it's, you have an option to use your Bitcoin or one of the other virtual currencies or NFTs, that's stuff that they'll implement over time. Um, and the, and whoever does it first wins the game, right? So there's, gonna, that's, there's things that people are going to have to consider. Um, and Facebook might not make their own currency. They might just use someone else's currency if they don't feel like doing that. If they just want to basically own the digital space where attention goes, they can sell ads and they don't have to worry about you owning the currency or whatever. Um, so yeah, these are different things to consider. And I, this is something that I'm hoping gets the most questions, um, where I can go back and forth and I'm not the expert on the, the topic. Hopefully I can explain this to you in simple, simpler ways. Because I would like to see from people who listen to the podcast, who are interested in creating, people I'm talking to right now, if you are on Instagram and you're selling pictures, there's no reason you don't have an NFT of that picture. If someone wants to buy your picture, if you're just a person selling a picture, right, if you're a model, right, you tell a picture of yourself Why isn't there an NFT that represents it, right? People want to support you. They want to buy things from you and you can sell a picture for a dollar, right? If you're selling 100 copies of your picture, that's $100, right? Why not? You previously were giving it away for free. People will still be able to download that picture for free, but if they want to support you, they'll now have a meaningful way to support you. And if you're tech savvy or you team with someone that's tech savvy or a company comes along and provides a service, Where you can then get your picture inside of other metaverses, like now that picture that you sold me and I have one of the NFTs for it, I'm the only person that can put inside my Fortnite game, now that picture has value. Now when I hang that picture on my wall, I'm the only person that has that picture, right? That's where things get interesting. If you're an artist and you're drawing, same thing. If you're someone making a video, and metaverses have a point where we can all sit down in someone's virtual space and watch a video, and you can tie an NFT token to the video you created, now that free thing you've been putting on YouTube, maybe there's a way that you can have it so subscribers buy those videos off of you, or perhaps, they don't buy one video off of you, but if they support you for $2 a month on YouTube, they get all those videos from that month, all the NFTs associated with it, and now they could watch those videos in their metaverse one day in the future. It only costs the user $2, but for you, if you got got 1,000 people following you, that's potentially $2,000, right? $2,000 a month, whatever. That's something that didn't exist before. And that's these are just some creative ideas on how you can leverage some of these things. So if you think you are interested in it, I would say do the research, Again, if you don't want to care about it, you don't have to care about it. But this is something that everyone's going to be talking about. It's not going away. And this is that old man, old woman moment where you can say, okay, well, do I want to figure out, you know, how I could be a part of this new world and be on the front line of this the same way with the internet? Um, you know, do you want to have a website? Do you want to be out there and have that business that, that's in this space? Or do you want to let it not, not, not participate? You, you can, you know, it's not going to be the end of the world. But it's not going to do anything for you. But the same way the internet was, don't overinvest. Don't put too much into it. Don't not do your research. Again, reach out to me. Ask questions. I'm more than happy to try to help people grow. That's what I love to do. And hopefully you guys enjoy the podcast. Again, obviously that you know there's a commercial on this podcast that throws me a few pennies here or there for you guys listening when you share the podcast and come back next week. So everyone can can grow and support each other. If they feel like they're getting value, hopefully this podcast provides you some value. If you like and you want to support, I appreciate it. Um, And again, I'm always there to not just give you a podcast, but I'm there to answer your questions, share with you articles and links outside of this. It's free to reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, all the places that I'm at and you know and i have my discord my patreon is coming and as soon as i figure out how to link my nfts to all those things to really incentivize people for participating in those spaces then that's you know 2022 you'll start seeing more from the chrome reality and how i my vision that i've always had on linking these things together but never really saw how to link them together and now it's becoming easier and easier for these things to become not just a book which isn't that exciting to me but, you know, a digital space where people can see some of the visions being played out or they can see the stories or they can hear the stories. That's exciting to me. And that's what the Chrome reality will be across multiple metaverses. Right. A lot of different places where this stuff can be. So that's the fun, exciting things to talk about. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. If you like more content like this, I can always do some special edition episodes talking about different topics. Um, and hopefully I can explain it in a good way that's easy to understand for the layman or for just someone like myself who doesn't doesn't really care about all these things and make it something simple for you. I wrap it up there. You guys have a great week. I still will do the normal podcast this Thursday, um, like I do every Thursday, talking about whatever I want to talk about. Then this is when just to really focus heavy on the metaverse and NFTs and those kind of things we'll be dealing with in the future. So I'm going to get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. Peace. <laughs>